0: We are starting the year off, uh, and this, uh, the decade of the 20s, with Joy Wins. Yes. That's the name of the series. Where is the, there it is, Joy Wins. Right. There's, there's a Bible verse that says, weeping may endure through the, e- through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And no matter what our circumstances are, joy comes in the morning. Turn my mic down a little bit, so I have room to get louder for the for the joy set before him jesus endured the cross he saw the joy and in between him and 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 experienced the fullness of that joy was the cross and he was willing to endure the cross and so that tells us something about joy that it was worth the suffering joy wins In every situation, in every circumstance, in God, in Christ, when we're in relationship with him, joy wins. So that's why we're taking uh, this month and and beginning this decade, uh, the decade of the 20s, my clicker's not working, uh, by exploring the idea that joy wins. And the clicker will work, and the clicker will work. Just something with the mouse. So, what is joy? Think about it. What is joy? What does joy look like? What does joy sound like? What is joy? Everybody has different definitions. Uh What is that joy that uh, that, uh, Jesus saw? that made him willing to endure the cross? What does it it smell like? What does joy smell like? What does joy taste like? What is joy? And so it's different for different people. The expression of it, the experience of it is different. For me, I was was actually having a conversation with Pastor Mark, uh, because he's preaching the same message down in our Vandalia church, and uh, we were just kind of exploring this idea and I was like, for me, when I, when, some, when I asked myself that question, what I think of, what comes into mind, is when I was a kid and we'd gather together for family uh, holiday uh, celebrations. And some of you may have heard the story, but when I was uh, about 12 or 13, my, my whole family blew apart. My parents divorced and everything ended. But be, there was a time before that mm-hmm. where I really had an idyllic childhood. And all of the family would gather together, especially at Christmas time, we'd, we'd, it would be all my cousins. And, and my cousins were my friends. Mm-hmm. And we would, uh, we would play and my, my grandmother would spend countless hours making Christmas cookies. And each cookie was literally a work of art. I've never seen Christmas cookies like the way she made them. She spent hours. In fact, she would work on them all year and then freeze batches so that she could give each one of her approximately 20 or 30 grandchildren kids. Yeah, it was just a ridiculous number of kids. <laughs> but they were like works of art. And I remember going into the room, it just brings back the memory of of coming into an aunt's house or grandma's and grandpa's house and it'd be filled with people I love and people that loved me, filled with food I love, uh, filled with, uh, you know, presents and, and just the atmosphere. And there was, there's one thing that actually may be a little obscure and may reveal how obscure I may be, but um, this actually happened to me just a few weeks ago. I've been trying to lose weight and doing this low carb thing. And I was like, what can I eat that's low-carb? And I I remembered, literally, it was about three or four weeks ago, this this treat I used to have, and we'd only have it at family gatherings, holiday celebrations. And I loved it. And I remember that they would only have a little portion of it. And so I thought it was really expensive. All right? And so as a kid, I would sneak and take some of the Braunschweiger dip. All right. How many know what Braunschweiger is? Yeah. If you're German or Polish, you may know this. I loved that stuff as a kid. It's so good. (laughs) And I thought it was expensive because it was a little portion and I would sneak it and I thought I was getting away with something. I hadn't eaten that in over 40 years. Probably 45 years. And I remember, that's just pig liver. It's squashed up pig livers. There's a little other stuff. There's a little other stuff. It's mainly pig liver. You know, and I'm like, there's no carbs in pig liver. I'm gonna go get some. And I went to buy it, and bought it, it's like, it's like the cheapest meat in the counter. <laughs> and I, mixed, I figured out how my mom made it, and I made it, and I ate it. And when I ate that, it was like, bam! I was back in my grandmother's living room. You know? And that's, that's what Joy tastes like to me, braunschweiger dip. <laughs> Liver. <laughs> but it wasn't the dip. It wasn't the taste, because there's lots of other things I like, but those other things don't evoke this feeling of being around a whole house filled of people that loved me. Right? And so that, that's the, the key here is that <clears throat> the big idea of this series, and the, today's talk especially, Is that joy is relational, and that that object that the bronchhuger dip just connected me with the experience of relationship that brought me joy. Here's some verses that talk about joy, a biblical understanding of joy. Now, of course, you know we use that word for all kinds of things, and you may. I think you have an understanding what how you understand what joy is, but we're going to look at some scriptures of how the Bible uses joy and, and the definition of joy from this perspective, that joy is relational. It says in the Psalms that in your presence is fullness of joy. We believe the Bible, right? It's, it's the authoritative word of God. So this is a true statement in god's presence is the fullness of joy let's just think about that for a minute being in the presence with god is the place where we find the fullest measure the fullest expression the fullest experience of joy and so the closer we are with god the more joy we feel and the further we are from his presence what happens based on that verse. There's a diminishing of joy because the fullness is in his presence. And we can, I mean, God is everywhere, but, but this is talking about in the manifest presence, in the place of, of you know that you're with God. You're in his presence. You feel him, you see him, you hear him. Uh-huh. And, and to and get to the fullness of joy we have to remain or we have to know how to get into his presence another verse from uh, an old testament prophet uh habakkuk says yet i will rejoice in the lord i love this i will joy in the god of my salvation yeah. makes joy a verb <laughs> i will joy in the god of my salvation now listen It doesn't say I will joy in the salvation of my God. It doesn't say I'm going to be joyful about what I get from God. Does it? It says I'm going to joy in God who gives me salvation. See the difference there? Joy is not based on stuff we get from God. It can't be based on stuff. Stuff may kindle or cause us to uh, remember or be aware of the God that we have relationship with. But it's not about the stuff. It's about the relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to joy or rejoice in the God of my, in him, in our relationship. about this this is when jesus was talking about the servants who did well and 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 responded well to to him and in the judgment and those who responded well he said enter into the joy of your lord what does that mean so we read that we hear it it's like okay yeah that means we get to be joyful it, does it say, enter into your joy? Whose joy? Oh. So we're actually stepping into joy that is God's. And when we're in that presence, we then can experience, that's the reward of a life lived well. That's a. That's the. That's heaven. This is what this whole Matthew 25 is talking about: is entering into God's joy. So again, it's not something we get distinct or apart from our relationship with our Lord. How about this one? This is you know still Christmas time. Someone told me, informed me that the 12 days of Christmas actually begin at Christmas and it's the 12 days following. So we're still in the Christmas season. (laughs) That's why we haven't taken down the Christmas tree. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but if it's up there in July, you know, you can come and talk to us. (laughs) This is a story of when uh, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and then Mary uh, was pregnant with Jesus. uh, and uh, it was a, at a certain time, she, Mary was able to visit Elizabeth. Uh-huh. And it says that, <clears throat> Elizabeth said, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Okay, so John the Baptist, in utero, when Jesus, in utero, came close to him, the baby responded out of joy how did the baby in utero know he was present he was in the presence of his lord and this is this is a this is a biblical basis for the truth that we are actually shaped, because the Bible says this in many different places, we're formed in our mother's womb. And then experiences while in the womb have significant influence. And so that little John the Baptist baby who couldn't talk yet, and wasn't even breathing yet, it was in the, still in the womb, actually experienced joy s- simply because Jesus was close to him. And Jesus wasn't even born yet. So it's, again, it's relational. It's in the presence. Last one here. It says, these things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, preparing them for the time when he was going to be uh, leaving them. It says, all these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full you see the relational aspect? Jesus is giving us, through his words, his joy so that it can, it can stay in us. And this is where, like uh, Pastor Jimmy said, joy isn't something we manufacture. You know, get excited. Be happy. You know? No, it's actually something that dwells in us that is an expression of who God is And when Jesus' joy is in us, that then enables our joy to come to its fulfillment. Let's explore this idea of relational joy. Understanding that joy is relationally based is important because it equips us to know where to find joy and identify joy counterfeits. There are counterfeits to joy, not next week, but the following week I'm going to be talking about uh, one, two, three, four. Five counterfeits. <laughs> five categories of counterfeits of joy. And so that's in the weeks to come. But we need to know how do we get joy? And if joy is relational, that changes our, 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 where we look for joy. And this is a quote from a book called Joy Starts Here. It's written by uh, Dr. Jim Wilder. And uh, he's written a number of books. I've read quite a few of them. I first came across his, his teachings over 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago. And they've, uh, uh, I've, they've influenced me significantly. But I've actually been uh, thinking and meditating on these ideas for over 10 years before I, I preached on it. Uh, but I really think there's, there's something substantial here and uh uh, jim wilder has a master's in theology and a doctorate in psychology and uh he specializes in in uh, in the processes of the brain and so uh, he's really they and it's not just one person it's actually a whole team that is comprised of theologians and and neuroscientists and and psychologists But this is this is a quote from this book joy is relational joy is contagious Joy is transforming. Joy starts with a smile. Joy has social impact. Joy improves our immune system. Joy protects marriages. Joy raises brighter, more resilient children. Joy improves resiliency after disaster. Joy transforms lives. So it's really, really important That we understand what joy is because it has such power in our lives. And joy, this is this is another big idea. Joy means someone is glad to be with me. Right, and and I I want you to just entertain. I want you to think about this different uh, definition or understanding of joy. We can experience happiness when we're with people we like, or when we're with things we like. You know, you get a new computer, or a new... Technology, don't you love it? Am I on? All right. We can get a new toy, a new car. Those things give us happiness. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about joy. Joy is a unique experience when we're with someone we know likes us. huh? And you know what? You can't control that, can you, really? I mean, you have influence. We're going to teach over this month things that you can do to increase joy. But understand, based on this definition, we are dependent on others for joy and that's good news what is the worst the most severe form of punishment apart from capital punishment solitary confinement isolation it's the worst thing is to be separated from others why because we are built to be relational we are built to live in community. Joy is that unique experience, not just being around people, but being around people you know, like you. And it helps if you like them, too. <laughs> the signature of real joy is the sparkle in someone's eyes when they see us that makes their face light up. All right? And just think about this for a minute. You know, if, if I walk into, into a room... Jimmy's in the room. He's busy working. And I walk into the room. Jimmy. Do you think he feels much of joy? Right? <coughs> What's the difference if I, I walk into the room? <laughs> hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Just up. When you come home from work and your spouse is in the kitchen, what do they see on your face? They see you like, I've been looking forward to seeing you all day. Or do they, do they see, I had a bad day at work. And the, the power we have to give them joy. And the power that others have to give us joy. All right, so just about a week ago, uh, it, was, uh, it was actually on uh, Wednesday. It was Wednesday, so my my, my daughter Emily and uh, my son-in-law Andrew, and my grandson Orson, who is just eight eight or nine months old, came down for our Christmas a few weeks ago. They stayed the night and they went home. And when they went home, they took a few things that belonged to me. <laughs> they thought it was theirs. It was in their room because they have one like it. It was a little nightlight thing. And then, of course, as children, they left things that belonged to them. <laughs> and so, driving Lewis back to Toronto, we happened to drive close to my daughter's house, which is in East Lansing. So we met at, a, at a, a parking lot right off the highway. And they pull up in their SUV, and in the back seat is a little eight-month-old Orson, my grandson, and he didn't know what was going on. He's an eight-month-old kid, right? He's just in the back of a car seat, going down these country roads, and they stop. And then in the window is my face. Hey, Orson. And you know what little Orson did? He smiled. And you know what I did? It made me smile even more. Because he smiled when I said, hey, Orson, so cute. And it made him smile even more. And there's this interchange of joy. That's joy. That's joy. And I think that... Uh, you know, as 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 babies, we learn that, and for the rest of our lives, there's this longing. There's a lo- there's a h- hardwired in you. There's a longing for someone to just be happy to see you. Maybe Orson didn't have to do anything. He didn't even know who I was, really. He's only seen me a half dozen times, a big old hairy guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he he smiled because i was happy to see him that's the joy we're talking about here that's the uh, joy that we find in the presence of our father in heaven joyful interactions with our mothers fathers those who feed us and other primary caregivers shape the structure chemistry and function of the brain it really really does there's tons of studies that show that the way we think and the actual physiological shape of your brain and how your brain and and uh, your uh, uh, neural pathways are formed are influenced by those who care for us in those early years and and really all through our lives. The foundation of joy that is built in our first year of life profoundly influences our identity and relationships throughout our lifespan so this is something that has been proven by scientific study, psychological study but we also see it in scripture that uh, the baby left for joy and in his presence is fullness of joy and so we're seeing that that science reveals the truth that scripture has been telling us for thousands and thousands of years our brains were created with a bias toward joy that means it, it's the, the, your brain is seeking that experience. What experience? The experience of su- being with people that like you. You're, you're kind of looking for it. And it, wherever it is, that, that's what you're drawn to. That's what makes you smile automatically. Joy is the most powerful desire. And that was a new idea for me to think about. And think about this quite a few years. Like, is that really true? What about sexual desire? Yeah, but joy is bigger than that. Boy, it's so much deeper than that. And and, and sexual desire is actually just to be a part of that special relationship with your, in marriage where you, where you just experience intimacy on a deeper level. But we want joy that lasts beyond and goes be, beyond. Uh, what about desire for food? Well, that's just animals' desire for food. That's not joy, it's sustenance. We're, we are actually designed as creatures to seek it out from birth. And if we start life in an atmosphere or an or a, a environment of fear, it, it produces anxiety because you're not getting that basic need met, All right? um, <clears throat> So it's very important that we understand the relational aspect of joy. Joy makes us grow strong. This is another quote from the book. Uh, joy makes us grow strong, loving relationships with other people. Listen to this. We love, this is another new idea, we love as a response to Joy. Joy stimulates the growth of identity regions of our brains and we grow strongest and most stable identity from those who show us joy. Again, I'm basing this all from the scriptures that I read earlier but explaining it in these terms to make it meaningful for us in the 21st century. Most often we think joy is the feeling of experiencing love. But this understanding flips that idea around love is actually the response to joy let's just explore this for a minute okay let's think of a real easy example is like when you're young and you don't have a you're not married you're looking for a, a a girlfriend or a boyfriend you know you're looking for someone and someone acts like they're happy to be around you what happens that triggers something in you. I think she likes me. You know? That's joy first. And I like being around her because she likes being around me. And that actually kindles something called love. Love is actually a response to that joy. Uh, when we experience relational joy, we feel loved. All right? All right? It's that interaction between joy. When I came into my grandparents' house filled with all my relatives that loved me, you know, I experienced joy because of that love. I experienced love because of the joy. It's an interaction. Joy, like being in that relational, experiencing relational joy creates love that causes us to, to be drawn to those people. <clears throat> and we all need, we all crave love. Learning how to increase our level of joy will directly increase the level of love in your life. You want more love in your marriage? Learn how to bring more joy into it. You want more love in your family life? Learn how to bring joy into it. Because right? joy produces love. And joy shapes our identity, who we see ourselves as okay understanding that joy shapes our identity and enables us to grow strong stable relationships Um, strong stable identities gives us a tool to help us correct false identity or masks all right and broken self-image issues that we need to understand oh how do i get how do i fix my self-image how do i fix uh my identity how do i become who i'm really meant to be it's joy Where do I find joy? In healthy relationships, being with people that love me and people that I can love back. All right? And so it drives us into relationship to find our identity and to find uh, 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 love. Uh, So low joy uh, environments, just to describe them quickly. Uh, Unfortunately, most of us grow up in low joy families and settings. And, um, you know, my, my childhood was... It had had moments, especially in my early childhood, like those family reunions and other experiences that were very high, high joy, but then it all all fell apart. And and then for, for many, many years, it was very, very low joy and a lot of stress and a lot of pain. And this causes our brains to be organized around anxiety, fear, and the avoidance of pain. So growing up or living in a low joy environment Results in our brains constantly being uh, organized or framed in in seeing our world through anxiety, fear, and avoidance of pain. It means that we um, uh, often or easily get overwhelmed when things go wrong. When something goes wrong at work, you're overwhelmed. Car breaks down, you're overwhelmed. Run out of milk, you're overwhelmed. Because you don't have the joy to endure the suffering. See? Joy it gives us the, it empowers us to endure suffering. Uh, you don't have the joy to endure a, a night of weeping. Uh, it makes it hard to recover from disappointment and stress. If you, if, you, if, you, if you grew up in a situation or if you've lived in a situation where there's low joy. And you get trapped in negative emotions. And pleasure, there's still pleasures in life but they're momentary and they're seldom found. And you're always kind of living in lack emotionally. And we don't want that, that's not why Christ came. Chronic low joy environments (coughs) create four four problems in a person's life. It it creates a, a lack of being able to have strong bonds with God and others when we are troubled or stressed. So, you know, you may have a relationship with God, but if you have low joy and your whole life's been struggling in a, an atmosphere of low joy, whenever anything bad happens, you, you can't find God because you don't have that strong connection with God or with others. Uh, you lack relational skills needed to form and maintain healthy, joyful relationships. You need to have skills to maintain relationship. All right? There's just things you have to do. Uh, and if you are Uh, absent of joy and love in your spirit and your soul, even in your body and how your brain functions, you're not going to be able to do that. You view, people that that have this experience in life, view all relationships with a lot of suspicion and doubt. And so you're always guarded. And you're strongly motivated by anxiety, fear, and the drive to avoid shame. And you'll do anything to avoid being shamed or failure you don't take risks and disappointment and rejection so your whole life is shaped by these negative things because you don't have enough joy uh, to overcome all of these are negative cycles that then reinforce because these are going on in your life in your brain and how you relate to yourself to others and to God it actually reinforces low joy and so it reinforces these Problems and they just get stronger and stronger unless you learn the things that you need to do to increase joy. All right, and the first thing is to turn to Jesus. All right, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you so that your joy may be full, that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be full. Think about it the angels declaring the birth of Jesus said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great what? great joy which will be to all people are you people this is to you for there is born to you this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord jesus came to bring great joy christianity exists for one purpose and that's to bring joy to the world all right we are to be joy agents And when Jesus' joy is in us and our joy is to the fullest, we can bring joy to the world. But if we don't turn to Jesus, if we don't even believe joy is possible because of the low joy experience and the way our brains have been formed, if we don't repent of that and turn and receive the life of joy that Jesus offers, we can't experience it ourselves and we can't give it to others. Uh, jesus came from heaven into our low joy (laughs) world and he's the emmanuel that means god with us he brought his presence here so that we could have the fullness of joy so we gain access to joy when we accept the fact that jesus christ came as god the son lived a life of of sinlessness and then took upon himself the penalty of our sin on the cross and became our savior by dying for us and he becomes our Lord when we live for him does that sound good? that opens up the door for us to experience the joy because Jesus is always happy to see you alright just like when I see my little grandson, I don't care if he just pooped his pants. He's the cutest kid in the whole world. And his mom can change the diaper. <laughs> Jesus' eyes light up. God's eyes light up when you look to him. The Bible says that there is joy in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. Listen, if you're sinning, and you decide to stop sinning because you want to be closer to God, you actually make heaven happy. That's incredible. To God, our relationship with him is more important than our shortcomings. Rebellion, problem, sin. Relationship actually with him, relationship enables us to overcome all those things and live powerful live free the second thing so first is receive the joy that jesus offers and the second is spread that joy by giving it away light not light up when someone walks into the room you know and when i first read this book about 10 12 years ago i just practiced it you know i just i just go hey hey Uh, put aside your self-issues and give other people attention It really makes a difference for like clerks in stores or uh, people walking out of, uh, you know, you just open the door, hey, and smile. And they'll go, wow. It's easy to do with babies, right? Because they haven't hurt you yet. But it's just as effective with people of every age. And be that joy agent. Why? Because when they experience joy, they're going to give you some back. And there's actually uh, scientific proof that within the, f- of the first second of interaction between two people that, that like each other, there's this, uh, there's like a dozen or so, I forget the exact number of little triggers that go back and forth, uh, nonverbal communication. Greet someone joyfully who you'd normally ignore and see if it makes a difference. Stop and make others feel special especially those close to you, all right? Because it's easy to overlook your spouse, your kids, because they're always there. But stop. And what, what, what if you don't feel it? Go to Jesus. Take a look at your father and see him smiling at you in your spirit, and then turn and look at that person and smile at them so they can experience joy winning in their life. Pastor Jimmy's going to close.